0: Bismillahirrahmanirrahim الرحمن الرحيم Alamin العالمين الله وسلم وبارك على محمد Inshallah tonight we will continue with the biography of Amirul Mukminin Umar ibn Al-Khattab radiyallahu And last week we left off while we were speaking about some of the virtues of Umar ibn al-Khattab regarding his treatment of the Ahlul Bayt. How Umar showed his respect and his honor to the family and the household of the Messenger of Allah from the respect an honor that Umar رضي an had towards the Ummahat al-Mu'mineen the wives of the Prophet Sallallahu الله عليه after the Prophet Sallallahu الله عليه passed away Umar رضي الله would make sure that his widows were always taken care of so whenever he was distributing wealth he would make sure that they get their portion and they also get something extra as an honor to them Whenever any animals would be sacrificed, if there would be any type of feast, and the goats and sheep and camels would be sacrificed, he would make sure that he sends the best portion of the meat to Ummahatul Mu'mineen, to the widows of Rasulullah wasallam. He would send the heads to them and he would send the best portions of the meat to them. So he made sure that he honored them and he gave them their due respect due to their position as members of the household of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam when the Ummahat Al-Mu'mineen when the wives of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam wanted to make Hajj when they would go to Mecca and they would be making tawaf around the Kaaba Umar he would forbid any men from making tawaf at the same time as them this is a special privilege he gave to the wives of the Prophet. ﷺ. If they want to make tawaf, then no man is allowed to make tawaf around the Kaaba at the same time as them. Women can do it with them, but no men. So he showed them this, this great respect. And this is how he was with regards to the family of the Prophet. ﷺ. Always honoring them and always showing them great respect due to their positions and their status as members of the household of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. When Umar an divided Khaybar, he divided the land of Khaybar, he gave the wives of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the widows of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, a choice. He said that either you can, you can have a piece of land, he was dividing the land, and he said to each of the wives of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi if you choose, you can have ownership of a piece of land. Or if you don't choose that, you can choose to have a guaranteed portion of fruit that comes from the yield of Khybar. That was a great farmland, Khybar, that grew fruits, beautiful fruits. So he gave them the choice. You can either have a piece of land, that will be your own property, or you can choose to have a guaranteed income from this land of one hundred ausuk of fruits per year. One hundred ausuk. One whisk is the amount that one camel can carry. So that's a lot. That's a pretty big portion. The amount that one camel can carry. So hundred ausuk. That means that means the fruit, the amount of fruit that a hundred camels can carry. Each one of the ummahatul mu'minin gets that. If they choose, or they can choose to have a piece of land. This is how he how he gave them a choice when he was dividing Khaybar. So some of the Ummahatul Mu'mineen, some of the widows of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, chose to have land. And some of them chose to get that guaranteed income of fruits instead. 100 awsukh of fruits. From those who chose to get the fruits were Aisha radiallahu anha and also Hafsa radiallahu anha. They chose to get the fruits instead of taking a portion of the land. So this is how Umar radiallahu an made sure that the widows of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi were taken care of. That whatever they needed, he was ready to give it to them. Make sure that they, they were comfortable, make sure that they didn't have any difficulties or any hardships in their lives. He wanted to make sure that they were able to live a life of dignity and honor. Also, regarding the grandsons of the Prophet, Al Hassan and Al Hussein, who were extremely beloved to the Prophet. ﷺ. Umar ﷺ also gave them great honor as well. When Umar ﷺ would be distributing clothing, he would distribute all sorts of wealth. From the wealth that he would distribute to the people, he would distribute garments and clothing to the people. So, when he was distributing the clothing, to the Sahaba in Medina, he didn't feel that it was appropriate to give Al-Hasan and al Hussein the same type of garments that he was giving to other people. So he's distributing all of this fabric and these clothing, these articles of clothing to people, right? And he's thinking al Hassan and al Hussein, they're special. They should not be wearing the same type of clothes as other people are wearing. Because of their status, they should be wearing better clothing, better fabric, better garments. So he actually ordered some special garments to come in from Yemen to basically be imported into Medina from Yemen. Yemen was known for having the best type of clothing and the best type of garments, the best type of fabric. So he ordered some special garments from Yemen to come into Medina and he gave those garments to Al-Hasan and al That You should be wearing this type of clothing, not the same type of clothing that the other people are wearing because of your status and your honor that you have. So when the clothing came in from Yemen, this very high quality clothing, he gave it to Al-Hasan and al Hussein. he dressed him, he dressed them in those garments and then he felt happy. When he saw them wearing these special garments, he said, Al-an taabat nafsi, now I feel good this was the, the respect that he had for the ahlul bayt for the family of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam he favored the family of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi over his own family because he knew that they had a special status and that they had a special position being from the ahlul bayt once the caesar who is the who was the ruler of the byzantine roman empire the Qaisar, he sent a messenger with a letter to Umar ibn al-Khattab. So this messenger from the Qaisar, from the head of the Byzantine Empire, this messenger comes to Al-Madinah. And the reason why the Qaisar sent this messenger, it wasn't really just to send a letter. It was for this messenger to see what's going on in Medina, to see Umar, to see what kind of person he is, to see the muslim state because a lot of things in the region were being shaken up were being shaken up during the reign of umar ibn khattab he expanded into persia he expanded into other lands right there were a lot of conquests a lot of victories so this was actually striking fear into the hearts of other rulers in the region they were all thinking okay look Umar, he defeated the Kisra. He defeated this one. He defeated that one. Now our turn is going to come next. So they had that fear of him. So they wanted to see. They wanted to see in person. Like who is this person? What type of a state is he running? They wanted to just get some information. So the Kisra, he sent a messenger with a letter. The letter was basically just a pretense. But the real purpose of this trip was for the messenger to to get information about Medina and about Umar, to investigate basically, and report back to the Qaisar. So anyways, the messenger arrives in Al-Madina with this letter, and when he arrives in Medina, he starts asking the people, where is your king? He comes into Medina and asks, where is your king? And then they tell him, we don't have a king. We don't have a king. We do have a ruler, we have a leader, but we have no king. As for our leader, he is Umar ibn al-Khattab, and he is not in the city right now, he is on the outskirts of the city. So he asked them, where can I find him? Which, Which direction should I go to find him? And they told him the direction, that he went that way, and he should be on the outskirts of the city in such and such direction. So the messenger goes that way. He reaches the outskirts of the city, And he's expecting that when he finds Umar, this is a man that the rulers of different empires in the world are all afraid of, right? A person who by the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has struck fear into the hearts of the people. So this messenger is thinking that when I find Umar, he's going to be in a big palace, he's going to have military officers all around the palace he's going to have bodyguards with him He's going to have a barricade that nobody can pass through In order to go to meet him. This is this is what he had in his mind Because this is the experience that he had with his own king and this is the way that the kings were That's the way that they lived and that's the way that they operated So he was thinking this is this is going to be the situation when I go to meet Umar ibn Khattab So he goes to that place he goes to that area where they told him to go doesn't find any type of military presence there, doesn't find like soldiers on the street, doesn't find any big buildings, doesn't find any big palace, doesn't find any type of extra security. So he's wondering like, is this the right place? They told me that their leader, their ruler, Umar ibn khattab the one whom the kings of the world are afraid of, they told me that he's around here. But I don't see any indication that such a person would be here. I don't see any signs that such a powerful person would be in this area because I don't see anything or anyone. So he reaches that area and then he starts asking the people around. I was told that I could find your ruler Umar ibn al-Khattab in this area but I don't see him. So can you, can you tell me where to go, where to see him? And they told, they told him he's right there. He's just right there. You can see him. He's right here. So he goes there and he sees one man, nobody around him. A man who is just lying down on the dirt, taking a nap, Taking taking a nap right on the dirt and it's a hot day, it's a sunny day, so you know, he's right in the sun, he's sweating, his forehead is sweating and some drips of sweat have actually fallen onto the ground, so the dirt that's around his head, it's a little bit wet, so this guy, he's lying down on the dirt, sweating and some sweat has come onto the dirt. So they said, yeah, he's here. So he looks there and the messenger only sees this man. So he's thinking, no, this can't be him. This cannot be the one I'm looking for. This this cannot be Umar ibn Khattab. This cannot be the ruler of the Muslims. So he says to the people, where is he? I only see this guy lying down on the ground. I, I want to find Umar, your ruler. And they said, yeah, that's him. That's him right there, the guy who's sleeping on the ground, who's sleeping on the dirt. That is our ruler, that is Amir al Umar ibn al-Khattab So then he was just shocked. He was flabbergasted. Like, this is the person that my king is afraid of. My king is shaking in his throne, thinking when his turn is going to come, just like the Kisra's turn had come. This is the man who has stricken fear into the hearts, of rulers all over the region. And instead of being in a palace, instead of having security, instead of having the military around him, he's lying down on the dirt by himself. So it just it just shocked him. But not only did it shock him, it caused him to immediately have a deep feeling of respect for this man. That this man, he's so powerful, people are afraid of him, but he didn't let it get to his head. It didn't make him arrogant at all. And he's just lying down comfortably. And he feels safe to be doing that. This messenger is thinking, our kings, our rulers will never feel safe to just be lying down like that by themselves without any security. They'll never feel safe. They will always feel afraid that someone is going to attack them, someone is going to try to assassinate them, someone is going to try to harm them. But Umar, عنه, he's not afraid of any of that at all. So immediately, this messenger, he's a Christian, right? Because the Caesar the of the Byzantine Roman Empire, they were Christians. So this messenger is also a Christian, but he sees Umar, like this, and immediately he develops a great feeling of, of awe and respect. Umar ibn al-Khattab. And he thinks to himself, this is the man. This man is the man who has frightened the kings of the world. And no king is left. There is no king that is left except that he's scared. He's shaking in his throne, fearful for the day that Umar and his army are going to come for him. But look at him. Look how humble. He's just lying down on the ground like that. (coughs) And then he said a famous a famous line, a famous phrase, looking at Umar, عنه, he said, Ya Umar, Adalta fa'aminta fa'nimta. He said, Ya Umar, you have ruled with justice, you have ruled with fairness, you have given everyone their rights, so you feel safe. A ruler who gives everyone their rights, they're not going to be afraid because everybody loves them. If everyone is getting their rights from the ruler, then will those people love their ruler or they will hate their ruler? They will love their ruler. So the ruler, being loved by his people, he will feel safe because nobody wants to harm him. They, they, they love the fact that this person is their ruler. So this man, he said, Ya Umar, عَدَلْتَ فَأَمِنْتَ فَنِمْتَ He said, Ya Umar, you have dealt with your people with justice so you feel safe. You're not afraid of them trying to hurt you or harm you or assassinate you or you're not afraid of them trying to overthrow you or anything. You have dealt with them with justice so you felt safe, so you slept. عَدَلْتَ faaminta And then he reflected on his own king and how different the situation was between Umar and the Qaisar. He said about his own kingdom, where he was from, the Byzantines. He said, Wa fala jarama anna malikana la yazalu sahiran He said, as for us, we rule with injustice. We rule with oppression upon the people. So there is no doubt that our king is always awake and afraid. He cannot sleep in peace. Even in the night, he's always afraid that you know, because I'm dealing with my people oppressively, perhaps one of my enemies is going to come and try to overthrow me, or one of my enemies is gonna try to come and assassinate me. So they always have this fear. When a a ruler rules with injustice and oppression, he never feels safe, he never feels comfortable. He may be very rich and have a luxurious palace and have all sorts of money and all sorts of this and that, but he doesn't have peace of mind. He can't sleep well at night, right? So this is what the man said. Umar radiallahu anhu, look, he dealt with his people with justice, so he feels safe and he's sleeping peacefully and comfortably. But as for us, we, we and our rulers, they rule with injustice and oppression. So our king, he's always awake, he can't sleep, and he's always afraid. So he contrasted the situations here. And he realized who was right and who was wrong at that moment. Even though this man was a Christian, he realized at that point that if Islam, if this religion is what caused Umar to be like this, then this religion is the truthful religion. So he said to Umar, Ashhhadu anna dinul haq." Just by seeing Umar, عنه, just by seeing him in this state, in this position lying down comfortably and sleeping comfortably he realized that this person is upon the right religion so he said I testify that your religion is the true religion and then he said if it weren't for the fact that I have come with a specific job I have come as a messenger I didn't just come on my own to visit I have come as a messenger and I have to go back If it weren't for the fact that I'm a messenger and I have to go back, I would have accepted Islam right now and I would just stay here. But I can't do that because I'm here on a duty. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back, I'm going to fulfill my duty, I'm going to go back, and then I'm going to come back again. And I will accept Islam and I will stay amongst the Muslims. And that is exactly what he did. He went back and he informed the Qaisr of whatever he saw. And then he left and he came to medina and he settled over there so this is how the akhlaq of umar and the humbleness of umar this is how that in and of itself was a great form of dawah for the people just seeing umar and how he ruled and how he dealt with people that alone was a powerful form of dawah that brought people into islam they would see him and they would say this man he must be upon the truth there is, there is no way that he can, he can be like this except if he is upon the truth. So they accepted Islam due to what they saw from him. Another example of the character of Umar ibn al-Khattab. When the treasures of the Kisra came, when the Muslims conquered Madain and they took the treasures of the Kisra, and they brought it back to Medina. Remember, we mentioned how huge of an amount it was. It was just like you know an unfathom, unfathomable amount of wealth gold, silver, all sorts of precious jewels. Huge amount. Right? So, when it came into Medina, Umar radiallahu anhu, his plan was I, I want to distribute all of this immediately. I don't want it even to come into the Baytul Mal. It doesn't even need to sit in the Baytul Mal at all. Let's just distribute it all. So then the advisors of Umar they said, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, it's not that simple. This is not just, you know, one treasure chest full of wealth that we can distribute to the people in one day. This is a huge, massive amount of wealth and it will take time to distribute it. So we will have to store some of it. We will have to store it in the Baytul Mal and distribute it gradually. It cannot be all done at one time. So Umar he understood this. And then he started looking through that wealth, looking at all of those jewels and those, those gold coins and that silver and those diamonds and the rubies and the emeralds and all sorts of precious, precious stones. And he saw that everything was intact. And he said, Inna hadha The one who brought this from Persia to Medina, this person is a very trustworthy person. Because he could have just taken all of that wealth and he could have just ran away somewhere with all of that. And he, with this wealth, he could have become a king somewhere himself. It's that much wealth that with that wealth you can become a king. But the one who brought this wealth to Medina, he didn't do that. He was trustworthy and he brought it from Persia and he brought it all to Medina intact. So he said, إِنَّ الَّذِي la amin." The one or those who brought this wealth from Persia to Medina, they are trustworthy people. And then the advisors of Umar عنه, upon hearing him say this, what did they say back to him? They said, "Anta aminullah, wahum ilayka ma ilallah. zahu." They said to him, "Ya Amir al-Mu'minin, you." have fulfilled the trust that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave to you. And because of that, they are fulfilling their trust to you. You fulfill your trust with Allah. You don't touch anything from the Baytul Maal. You make sure that you distribute it with fairness and with justice. So you are true to this trust that you have with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You fulfill your trust with Allah. So the people, Under you, they are fulfilling their trust towards you. That is why they are so trustworthy. Because of your trustworthiness, ya Amir al-Muminin. And then they said to him, فَإِذَا zirta zahu." But if you were to deviate, ya Amir al-Muminin, if you start taking some of that wealth for yourself, and you start enjoying it yourself, you start building palaces for yourself with this wealth, you start spending this wealth on yourself, if you start doing that, then they will too. Then they will start taking it for, for themselves too. If you become corrupt, then they will become corrupt. But because you are trustworthy and you are so honorable, they have also become like this as well. So this was the character of Umar radiallahu anh and how it rubbed off onto his subjects as well. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, radiallahu anh, he said about Umar ibn Khattab, radiallahu an, he said, Inni la ahsabu Umar. بَيْنَ عِيْنَيْهِ يُسَدِّدُهُ وَيُقَوِّمُهُ He said, I think, I feel that between the eyes of Umar, there is an angel that keeps him straight. There is an angel that makes sure that he remains straight and he remains firm and he remains steadfast. And I believe that the shaitan, Runs away from Umar. And this was actually mentioned by the Prophet as well. That if Umar is taking one path and the shaitan sees him, then the shaitan takes another path. Doesn't want to be on the same pathway as Umar ibn al Khattab. So even the shaitan, he is afraid of Umar ibn al Khattab. Mujahid, he said, Inna shayateen Kanat kaannaha musafada fi hayat Umar. Falamma usiba buthat. He said, it is as if the shayateen, it is as if the devils were chained up during the time of Umar ibn al-Khattab. Because the devils, they're afraid of Umar ibn al-Khattab. So it's as if they were tied up, they were chained up during his time. But when Umar an, when he was assassinated, then the shayateen, they were free and they started spreading themselves around. So Umar radiallahu anhu, very strong personality, very firm. But even though he was very firm, his heart was very soft with the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If the Qur'an would be recited, it would melt his heart. If he was, if he was reminded of Allah, even if someone said to him, "Ittaqillah, fear Allah, this would deeply affect him. And he, his heart was very soft whenever he would remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Once Umar ibn khattab radiallahu anhu, he left the masjid. He was going out of the masjid with al-Jarood al-Abdi. So the two of them, Umar and al Jarud, they leave the masjid. And as they're walking down the path, they crossed ways with a woman who was on the same path. So they're going one way, woman is coming the other way. They cross paths with her. Umar saw this woman and he gave her salam. He said, As salamu alaykum. And she replied, She said, Wa alaykum as salam. And then the woman said, and she's an elderly woman, the woman said, Ruwaydaka ya Umar, hatta ukallimaka kalimatin qalila. She said to him, Ya Umar, don't be in such a hurry. Just wait for a minute. I want to say some words to you. And then Umar عنه, he said, Quli, please speak. Say what you want to say. Now, Jarud, who was with Umar, he's watching this whole conversation between Umar and this woman. So then the woman, what does she say? She says, Ya Umar, Ahdi bika, wa anta tusamma' Umayran fī suqi' ukāzh, tusari' al fatayan Ahdi bika, wa anta tusamma' Umayran fī suqi' ukāzh, he said, she said I remember you from the time when you were a child and they used to call you instead of Umar they used to call you Umair usually when someone is a child they, they, they lighten the name like this right? when someone is young if his name is Umar they will say Umair. right? so I remember you when you were so little they used to call you Umair and you used to wrestle with other young boys in the suq uqad, you used to be in the marketplace and you used to be wrestling with other boys, playing with the other boys. So basically, she's saying, I remember you since you're a little boy. <speaking in Hebrew> and then the days went by and the people started calling you Umar because you became a man then. You're not a little kid anymore. So then people started calling you your actual name, Umar. ثُمَّ الْأَيَّامِ حَتَّى سُمِّيْتْ أَمِيرُ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ And then some more days went by until you were called Amir al-Mu'mineen. So from the little boy who people called Umar to the man that people called Umar, to the leader of the Muslims, now you are Amir al-Mu'mineen. Then she advised him, she said, فَاتَّقِ اللَّهَ فِي الرَّعِيَّةِ أَنَّهُ مَنْ خَافَ الْمَوْتِ al الْفَوْتِ She said, fear Allah with regards to your subjects. Fear Allah with regards to the people who are under you. Make sure that you give them their rights and you take care of them. You are responsible for them. And whoever fears death, fears losing out. So Al-Jarud, he's watching this this woman speak to Umar like this. And she's calling him Umar. Instead of calling him Amir al-Mumineen, she's calling him by his name, Umar. And he's just listening, not saying anything. And she keeps talking. So Jarud is shocked that this woman, who is this woman talking to him like this, talking to Amir al-Mumineen, talking to the ruler of the Muslims in this way. So after hearing it for a while, he cuts her off. Jarud cuts the woman off. Umar didn't say anything, but Jarud cut her off. And he said to her, He, he, He said to her, Okay, that's enough. You have gone too far with how you are speaking, with your manner of speaking to Amir al-Mu'mineen. You should respect his position. How are you speaking to him like this? And Umar anh, immediately he, went, he said to Al-Jarud, he said to Jarud, he said, Da'ha, leave her, let her say whatever she wants to me. Do not stop her from speaking to me. Da'ha, Ama ta'arifu hadhihi ya Jarud? Don't you know who she is? Do not tell her to be quiet. She can say whatever she wants to me and I will listen to everything that she has to say. Don't you know who she is? And then he explained to, to Jarud who this woman was. هذه خولة بنت This is خولة bint Hakim. the one whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala listened to her words from above his heavens where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the Quran Qad قَدْ سَمِعَ اللَّهُ قَوْلًا لَتِي wa tashtaki زَوْجِهَا وَتَشْتَكِي إِلَى اللَّهِ This is the one whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed this verse regarding her. قَدْ سَمِعَ اللَّهُ قَوْلًا لَتِي تُجَادِلُكَ فِي زَوْجِهَا That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has heard the speech of the woman who was disputing with you, the, the Prophet ﷺ, she came to the Prophet to, to to dispute about what her husband had done. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala listened to that speech. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying he heard her speech. He listened to her. So who am I not to listen to her? She can say whatever she wants. I will sit here and I will listen to everything that she has to say. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala listened to her, then who is Umar not to listen to her? So he told Jarud, let her speak. Do not interrupt her, she can say whatever she wants to me, and I will listen to every word that she has to say. This is this is how Umar Radiallahuan was with the Quran. If the Quran gives someone respect and honor, then Umar Radiallahuan will give that person honor. Once Umar Radiallahu An was angry with someone and he was hitting that person with his famous stick. Right? So he's hitting that person with the stick. That person, as he was being beaten, he said to Umar رضي الله عنه, أذكرك بالله. I remind you of Allah. I remind you of Allah. And when Umar رضي الله عنه, heard this, he immediately stopped hitting this guy and he dropped the stick. And then he said, عظيمة, that you have reminded me. You have given me a reminder that is great all he said was I remind you of Allah and that was enough to affect his heart like you have reminded me of with a great reminder you reminded me of Allah another example of Umar being affected and and being soft-hearted with the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and making sure that he doesn't cross the limits of the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala once Umar he was in his gathering and he used to keep it as the people in his gathering he used to keep only learned people knowledgeable people the majlis of Umar it was all Ahlul Qur'an the people of Qur'an people who memorized Qur'an people who recited Qur'an these are the people who, who Umar used to keep around him at all times so from the majlis of Umar from the people who used to sit with him was Al-Hur ibn Qais. Al-Hur ibn Qais, he was a hafiz of, of the Qur'an, he was a person who memorized the Qur'an and used to recite the Qur'an, so he was always close with Umar radiallahu anha, always in the gatherings of Umar radiallahu anha. So the uncle of Al-Hur ibn Qais, the uncle of Al-Hur ibn Qais was a man named Uyayna ibn Hisun. And for those of you who attended the Sirah lectures, you probably remember this name, Uyayna ibn Hisn. Uyayna ibn Hisn was also known as Al-Ahmaq al muta'a The fool who was obeyed by his people. He was the ruler of the tribe of Ghatafan. And really he caused a lot of problems for the Prophet Sallallahu for many years. Then towards the end of the life of the Prophet Sallallahu Uyayna bin Hussan he accepted Islam. He became a Muslim. Right? So Uyayna bin Hassan, he asks his nephew Al-Hurr ibn Qais he says you are close to Umar. You're always in his gatherings. I want to speak to him, but I'm ne- I can never get close to him. But you are close to him, so I want you to ask Umar to let me come in to speak with him. So Al-Hurr ibn Qais said to his uncle, this is his uncle, Uyayna ibn he said, okay, I will ask him for you. So Al-Hurr ibn Qais asked Umar my uncle Uyayna ibn Hussain, he wants to enter upon you and he wants to, he wants to speak to you. So Umar r.a gave permission. So Uyayna ibn Hussain comes in now and as soon as he comes in what does he say to umar ibn al-khattab he says he ibn al-khattab fa ma al-jazl bil-adl bin he says to umar ibn al-khattab hey o oh son of khattab he doesn't address him with respect he doesn't say amir al mumineen he says oh son of khattab wallahi you do not distribute the wealth to us in a fair way you do not give us our portion and you do not rule with justice you're not a fair ruler and you don't distribute the wealth properly and this of course is wrong umar of course he distributed the wealth properly he gave everyone their rights and of course he ruled with justice but bin he said this to him so umar he got mad he got angry and he was about to get up to punish this guy, to hit him. Like, how dare you speak like this? You come into the majlis like this, I give you permission to come in, and this is what you say? So he got very angry and he was about to punish this man. bin But then Al-Hur bin Qais, the nephew, who, who basically facilitated this whole meeting. And remember, he's a person of the Qur'an. Al-Hur bin Qais, he knows the Qur'an. So what does he say to Umar radiallahu anhu? He says, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen. قال الله لنبيه صلى الله عليه وسلم خذ العفو وامر بالعرف واعرض عن الجاهلين وان هذا لمن الجاهلين He said Ya Amir al Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala said to his prophet sallallahu اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمُ خذ العفوة, show forgiveness and enjoin good and turn away ignore the foolish ones ignore the foolish ones this is what allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told his prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam ya amirul mu'minin and surely my uncle he is from the jahili he is from the foolish ones and allah said wa'irid 'anil jahili ignore them ignore the jahili so ya al mu'minin ignore him so umar radiallahu an, this is this is the book of allah this is an, an instruction from allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so that was it he sat down and he let it go he let it go so this is how umar radiallahu anhu was if anyone would remind him of the Qur'an, that Allah said this, the Messenger wasallam said this, that's it. No matter how mad he was, no matter how angry he was, he would always calm down. Whenever he was reminded about Allah, whenever he was reminded about Rasulullah, whenever he was reminded of the Book of Allah, that would calm him down. And he would make sure he never crosses the boundaries that were set by the Book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So these are some glimpses into the life of Umar ibn Khattab an, how he dealt with the people, how his character was and the respect that he had for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the messenger sallallahu and the household of the Prophet sallallahu and the respect and honor he had for the Qur'an, for the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be pleased with Umar ibn Khattab an, and reward him for all the good that he did and inshaAllah next week we will continue with our study on the biography of Umar ibn Al-Khattab radiyallahu anhu inshallah jazakumullahu khaira. jazakumullahu Vikum, wabarakallahu feekum wallahu aalam sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa muhammad wa ala alihi